go. So welcome back to the podcast here on the Conjic Chats. I got Monty Sparkman here. Yes, the Monty Sparkman. Twitter famous Monty Sparkman. Got like 9,000 followers. Monty, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I don't know if I'm famous or not. Probably more like uh, uh, infamous, but but I appreciate that. Yes, sir. Absolutely. So you're at, and correct me if I'm wrong, Azale High School? Azel. 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 Azel High School. Azel High School. Azel High School. Uh, I've been wondering, like, some of these high schools have them funny names, and uh, you know, that was one of them. I'm like, how do you even pronounce that? So, um, yeah. Yeah, I've heard a- uh, uh, Azil, Asley. Like, there's been a bunch of different ones, uh, but it's just Azel. Azel. It's just Azel. Gotcha. So, you're the head athletic performance coach over at that high school, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah, I actually just finished up my first uh, my first full year, and uh, it's 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 been a ride. It's been a whirlwind. Uh, it's been a whirlwind, and uh, and yeah. So we're just we're just we've been rocking and rolling. We're gonna keep rocking and rolling, and and and, and trying to to create the best and give our kids the best uh, the best experience that we can. Awesome. That's awesome, Monty. So, if you did you look at George's blog, the Q and A session? Uh, I did briefly. I, I can't tell you that I remember what all was on there, but I did pop over there to take a look and, and, and to see kind of how that how that went. Okay. So what I did was I added and I subtracted a few questions from that uh, Q&A session because sure. I want – there's certain questions I want to ask you particularly because <laughs> I want to know, and I'm sure people – you know, other people want to know. Um, and I took out some questions, you know, just kind of shorten down and kind of lengthen it out a little bit. So let's go ahead and get into it. So tell us about yeah, your, absolutely. So let's tell us about yourself, uh, where you been, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So there's a lot of a lot of information out there about my background. So I'm gonna try to keep it short and sweet, just so we can get into kind of some really really good training stuff. But but I'm from a small town in in North Texas, uh, Burke Burnett. We were a four A high school. I played high school football. Uh, got to uh, go play NAIA college football at Baker University in Kansas. Wasn't very good. Uh, got my first uh, middle school coaching job in 2006 in my hometown. Spent three years coaching collegiate powerlifting and, and instructing at VMI, Virginia Military Institute. Came back to Texas in 2010 and have been uh, a middle school and high school coach since, since then. And like I said, uh, this is my my first year uh, at Azel and, and just um, I finished eight years previously at Richland High School, uh, which is the same size and classification. And so that's it uh, in a nutshell. And, uh, and my background, because I do feel like it's important that you understand where somebody's been to understand kind of kind of why they do the things they do you know it's no secret my influence is powerlifting you know but but I would I would argue that that that's only a small portion of, of the resources that I use to train our athletes you know but 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 like I said I I played college football but I wasn't an athlete you know the little success I had was because I had a little bit of strength and uh, that's just you know I, I tell young coaches and I tell people all the time, you know, carve out your niche, 
find something that you can hang your hat on and then try to go be the best at it. And, and for me, it, it's in that strength arena and I'm not the best, you know, by any means there are a lot of people out there, you know, um, moving a lot more weight than I am, but, but that's, that's my niche. You're not going to hear me talk about speed training. You're not going to hear me talk about nutrition or flexibility or, or any of that stuff. You know, I'm going to give you kind of the nuts and bolts of how I've gotten our athletes stronger and how I've gotten stronger over the past 20 years plus. And, and, and that's where, that's the arena and lane that I'm going to stay in. And so, and so that uh, my background has kind of led me in that direction. Gotcha. And going along with like your coaching style, what's like your coaching philosophy? Man, that's a great question. And I think really it stems from, you know, we, I had a, a opportunity to go visit Ray Ellsworth at Texas A&M, gosh, eight or nine years ago. And, you know, Ray made a comment that strength fixes everything. And I've taken that to heart with regards to, to my life and also in training athletes. And so when you talk about philosophy, you talk about, talk about what, what drives me as the coach and what drives my training and coaching is I think it comes from a background of strength is you've got to be strong. You've got to be strong physically. You've got to be strong mentally. Uh, you've got to be strong emotionally. And I'm not always strong in those areas, you know, but, I think that's where it stems from, you know, and I think the second piece of my philosophy is I really want to create an autonomous athlete. And what I mean by that, it started when I was a VMI, you know, powerlifting can be as involved or, or as independent as you want it to be. You know what I mean? From the suits, from, from the gear and, and competition. And, and I told those athletes, I said, look, I'm not always going to be there to wrap your knees. I'm not always going to be there to call you up. I'm not always going to be there to set your bench shirt. You've got to learn how to do that on your own. And I want you to be able to go compete without me. And so I think, I don't think, I know that's carried over to the performance side of it. Whereas I want my athletes to be able to walk into any weight room, any weight room in the country, your weight room, my weight room, it doesn't matter and have success. Now, they may not know every style because, because, you know, we might coach differently, but from a foundational movement standpoint, they have the requisite skills to pick that up really, really quickly. And then to do that at a very high level. And, and so that's, that's how I would describe my philosophy is one that, you know, we're going to get really, really strong and that's going to be the, focus from a from a multi-level position but then I want you also to be an independent athlete to where you're not relying on me to hold your hand to add your weights to set your bar I want you to be able to operate without me so I guess that's all I would say that's awesome and uh, I want to go back to that comment that you made that you want your athletes to walk into any weight room or, you know, might have those skills to be able to walk into any weight room and have those skills to, you know, set yourself up the way that you need to, to achieve success. And I think that's why a lot of strength coaches, especially in the high school realm, why people went on, you know, 
done their CSCS and, you know, got a bachelor's, master's in kinesiology, exercise science, whatever, and gone back to the high school realm because we want kids to succeed. And we've seen enough college athletes to where they don't have that proper program in high school. And then they come to college and, you know, they're not set up for success because the high school hasn't progressed them properly. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's completely awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And that really, you know, going back to my backstory, you know, I, I blew out my shoulder, my, my, my sophomore year in high school and I had reconstructive surgery my junior year of high school. And that's a long time ago, but, but that was a lot of the reasoning behind getting into this side of it. It, 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 And it wasn't, it wasn't my coach's fault because they didn't know, you know, sport coaches, they're required to know the sport. You know, that's kind of their arena, right? You know, let them do that, hire a performance coach, a strength coach, and let them coach that side of it. But so, you know, my, my, my high school coach, I mean, I love him to this day. He was a former professional athlete. The guy would go in and rep 405 on a bench. I wanted to be him. I wanted to rep 405 on a bench. So what do you think my training consisted of? Bench, bench, and more bench. Well, I mean, we know that from a from a from an anatomical standpoint or a physiological standpoint, that's not the best thing for your shoulders. And 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 so because of my experience, and <laughs> because of my lack of athleticism, I want I don't want my athletes to experience that. I tell them all the time, you know. My goal is, and it's not very hard, unfortunately, but they're going to be better athletes than I ever was. Like, I want them to do things I never could do and never will do, you know, because, because, because that, that's what was missing from my, uh, at least high school athletic experience. Now, I had coaches that told me I needed to get faster, more agile, you know, those types of things. And, and, you know, we think we got it all figured out in high school, right? You know, we got all the answers. But that's what drives a lot of what I do today is, is just I want them to have the experience that I didn't have. And, and, and I want to give them those skills that when they do go play at the next level, that they're able to do that at the highest level that they're made for. Whether that's, I mean, I've coached Division One athletes and I've coached, you know, kids that will never play post-high school. Or never played it down, you know, and so, you know, that's the cool thing about it, you know. But 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 both of those athletes, the D one person and and the general pop person, I want them to be able to walk into a weight room and have success. Absolutely, that's awesome. Going away from the weight room for a little bit, what hobbies do you have away from the weight room? I know we cut. We kind of get wrapped up in like the weight room being our personality. Oh, I lift weights. I, I run. You know, I do CrossFit. I know definitely not running. That's not one of my. I'll tell you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we Probably we kind of get be. wrapped up in our identity when it comes to like strength training, and I, I'm guilty of this because uh, my wife knows and my friends know, and gosh, Twitter Twitter knows too. The only thing I talk about is strength conditioning. You know, what are some things that what are some things that you do besides the weight room, the strength conditioning? Stuff? Well, none of it happens very often, you know, because. <laughs> because I do like to train, but I do enjoy playing golf, you know, not right now when it's 115, but, but on my previous staff, I was the only member to be closest to the pin. I had that honor of being, of being closest to the pin. And yes, I used a driver on a par three 
and it had about a 300-yard hook slice. <laughs> but, I, but I ended up closest to the pin. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do enjoy playing golf. I don't do it nearly uh, as often. I do like to fish, you know. And the funny story about playing golf is, is growing up, I, I had a really, really good friend. That's my best friend, um, Brad. And, and we would go to the city course to play golf. And we'd get dropped off. You know, his parents typically would drop us off. And I'd last about three holes. And I said, you don't go back to clubhouse. I'm going to eat a cheeseburger. And uh, and that's what I would do. And I'd go in and eat. And he would go play golf. And he'd come in, you know, on the – on the uh, back nine or whatever, but hey, they would come out and I'd go out and I'd play two or three more holes and I'd go back in and eat another hot dog or whatever, you know, like I never had the patience. The same thing with fishing, you know, I, I remember going out with my grandfather and playing with the middles all the time and he'd get mad, you know, because you're, you're uh, killing all the minnows, you know, but, but I, but I like to fish too, you know, but, I, but outside of that, I mean, training really is, and, and I know it's not healthy and I know it's, it's not, you know, what what we tell everybody, right? But that truly is what I, I mean, that, that's me. You know, if you give me four hours, I'm not going to go play golf. I'm going to go squat or go bench or, or, you know, probably not deadlift, but I'll probably go bench or squat, you know, um, do some of that. And then, of course, you know, I do have a family. I've got I've got an awesome wife and, and two girls, and and they're starting to get at that point to where their lives are becoming our lives. and. And, uh, you know, so that takes up the rest of it. You know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm becoming a uh, Sparkman taxi. You know, I drive, I just drive my oldest around to, to different things, you know, but, but that's important too. Um, especially, you know, uh, as, as a father to, to be there for that. But, but what is that? Three things. That's probably about it. That's probably about it for me. Um, with training being, unfortunately, that the one that gets the most time. Let's get into this question here. So, what what are your goals in the field of strength and conditioning? Let's go for your personal goals first. And that's a great question. You know, I I think selfishly, we all want to be the best, right? You know, but but how do you define the best, especially in our field where? the quality of job we do has been undefinable, right? Because you ask 10 different people, they're going to give you 10 different answers about what, what a good strength performance coach is, you know. But but I think ultimately what that looks like for me is, is to create the best training experience possible for our athletes, for our school, and a ultimately be the go-to resource for other coaches and other athletes i mean worldwide you know that that's really what 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 drives me it's it's i want to help as many people as i can you know people so many cool people have poured into me like i've got to meet and be around so many you know i think they're famous people you know they're famous in 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 our world but but so many impactful people have poured in the, i mean i you said famous i mean i i'm just me you know i'm just the guy that shows up and 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 and, and tries to do the best he can and 
but it's because to be able then to turn around and have something like this where you're asking me questions and asking my opinion and giving back. And then, you know, that triggers somebody else. Oh, well, he said this. Well, this is how I want. That's how I interpret it. Well, great. Well, then go do that, you know. But 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 I think really that that's what it boils down to is is wanting to be the go-to person personally, you know. And 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 but but to do that, we have to we have to do our job and 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 create an experience for that for our athletes in such a way that second to none, you know. Um so personally, I guess you know, I've kind of rambled on a little bit, but that's but oh, take your time, man. I want to be like the ultimate resource for athletes and coaches, I guess. I guess that's a good way to put it. Be the ultimate resource. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to go back to that um, comment you made about like, um, like where I told you that you're famous and you're saying that you're just me. And, you know, I've heard that, especially at NHSSCA, the conference down in Nashville this yeah. past weekend. Like I was starstruck that I got to be in a session with Missy McBeth. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, oh, my God, yeah, she, yeah. she's right there. Yeah, she's and, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I was so nervous to even talk to her that I didn't even talk to her. Like, I, I didn't say a word to her. I was just so nervous. Yeah. I was like, I was, I, well, I was so starstruck. So stop, stop there because I like never miss an opportunity to go talk to somebody or to ask somebody a question that you look up to, you know. Um, because I mean, number one, you might not get that opportunity ever again. You know, I mean, it's no secret that, 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 that Louie is a big influence on me and, and, and I got to go there twice. I got to go there twice. Um, and it was because I just, I put myself out there, you know, he didn't know me from Adam. He wouldn't know said my name today, you know, but. But put yourself out there like you're doing a podcast now. Put yourself out there. You know, don't think that that too big. Don't think that that somebody's too important to not talk to you because, number one, we're all strength coaches. We all have egos bigger than Dallas. And so you come and ask us questions, strokes our ego, right? And so, like, I'm doing this podcast. Cool that you think I got something important to say, you know? Um like, like, don't, don't miss an opportunity. Missy, Missy's awesome. She would have, she would have sat there and talked to you for as long as you wanted to, you know, and, I, and, and you'll find that 95% of, of the people in our field are that way. And if, and if they're not, then you probably don't want to learn from them, no matter how smart they are, because they're probably not a good person, you know? So I, I had to stop you because I think that's important. Like, like reach out. If somebody you look up to is out there, like shoot them an email, go, Hey, can I come learn from you for a day? You know, because nine times out of ten, they're going to say, heck, yeah. Now they might say, hey, now it's not a good time. Can I get back to you? You know, But nine times out of ten, they're going to you to come just because we're in this right. profession because we like to share. Right, absolutely. I don't know. I was just I, – I, at that con, I was just, like, so starstruck and everything. So, yeah, no, that's awesome. Um like Cody Hughes, oh, I I had to go up yeah, and talk absolutely. to Cody Hughes, and like he's part of his program. What he puts out is part of what I do. Like I take little yeah. ideas from him, and I mean, and that goes back to another point here. 
Like we're all reinventing the wheel at this point. Like there is nothing really There's that new. Nothing new under the sun. You know, we're just rediscovering, you know, training nuggets here and there, and 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 trying to copy, you know, copy copy each other, and just put our spin on it. But but yeah, you know, everyone wants to come out with this new training, this and that. It's nothing new, you know. Right. If you go back and read the old Russian manuals, or go back and read, you know, the old bodybuilding stuff, There's nothing everything's new, been no. done. You know, we're just either rediscovering it, or or, uh, or or trying to make it our own, you know. And the people that that are trying to to market that, to me, are the ones you stay away from because they're trying to, you know, trying trying to do things that aren't that aren't honest. Right, absolutely. And this kind of goes to the next point here. What are some things that drive your program design? Now you kind of talked about it with you know the, your influences right, yeah. and stuff like that. So what drives your program design? That's pretty easy. You know, in, in 2013, I got to intern in North Texas under Frank Wintrick. And, and Frank, I uh, learned a lot from Joe Ken. And, and so uh, I was introduced to Tier System. And and that really has, even though, you know, I'm a conjugate guy, right? Conjugate chaps, you know. Um, you know, uh, I am a conjugate guy and, and, and a disciple of, you know, the West Side Methods and this and that, you know. But that's not how I train athletes per se from a template standpoint, right? You know, to me, tier system makes the most sense because we're training athletes and, and athletic events are trained total or perform total body. And so it makes sense to me that I want to set up a total body training experience because that's, what's going to best mimic what they're going to do on the court field grass, whatever. And so big tier system guy, but within that, that's where you get into the conjugate flavor because typically my tier one is going to be a max effort movement. My tier two is going to be a dynamic effort movement. And then my tier three is going to be, is going to be repetition. And so that's how we get, or that's how I blend the two conjugate, you know, quote unquote, West side methods in with the tier system is to kind of take the best of both for me and my athletes and merge them together like that, you know, and, and really all conjugate means, you know, conjugate is not bands, chains of boards. Conjugate is training multiple biomotor abilities simultaneously. And so that's all we're, and, and so that's conjugate. So even though, you know, it may not look like, you know, max effort, accessory, hype, you know, whatever, it's still packaged in, in, in a way that, that is going to give me and my athletes, I think the best, um, the best chance to have success at their sport, you know? Um, but yeah, you know, like, like, I don't, I mean, we don't, we don't have an upper day. We don't have a lower day. We don't have a chest day, back day, whatever. We have a total upper, um, and lower emphasis day where the emphasis for that is going to be that top tier, but we're still training everything else concurrently so that they get that total body experience. Let's go ahead and talk about this next question here because uh, I asked George this and then that got me thinking about what this is for me. But what are your non-negotiables in your program? Oh, I got you. I got you. Uh, I think obviously we want to have competent technique. You know, we don't necessarily want to have competitive technique because there is a difference. You know, again, like like lifting is not their main thing. Their, their sport is their main thing. So I want them to be competent. They, if we get to the competitive derivative of that, then so be it. But 
as long as the squat looks like a squat, a pull looks like a pull, a bench looks like a bench, you know, I'm okay with it. Like, I'm not in there checking squat depth or three white lights, you know what I mean? Like, that's a whole different story. If you got three white lights, to me, you're squatting too deep anyway, you know, but, but, um, but I think competent technique is one. I think that, that to never miss reps, yeah, you kind of put me on the spot a little bit. I probably need to write these down. Um, I mean, competent technique, never miss reps. Don't PR, PR. And then I think, I mean, I, and, and I think ultimately, like, you got to have fun. Like, training should be fun. Sports should be fun. We do this to, 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 to have recreation, right? None of us, or I say none of us, not many of us are getting paid at a high level to um, to play our sport. Or, you know, or, or we do it because we love it. We do it because because we had fun. Like training to me is fun. That's why I do it all, all the time. You know, like I like going out and training. I like picking up bars. I, li- I like doing that stuff because it's fun. Um, you know, and, 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 and I think that's why we get into coaching, right? We become strength coaches because we like to do those things. But we got to remember that our athletes may not like to do those things. The athletes like to play the sport. That's a hard pill to swallow sometimes. Yeah, it's like, well, well why don't you love, you know, 100-rep shrugs like I do, you know, or 30-rep or, or lunges or whatever it is. Well, because I like shooting threes, and I like scoring touchdowns, and I like, you know, smacking a volleyball, you know. like, And so that's where that fun comes in. Like, like, sure. We can hang our hat on toughness and we can hang our, hang our hat on, on, on hard. And I think it's, and I think obviously your program should be challenging. Your program should be challenging, but it should also have, like, they should want to do it. You know, you know, I go in because it's fun. Our athletes should come and want to come to us because it's fun. You know, it's okay to have fun. And they're, you know, programming, getting them ready to prep for a sport. But oftentimes I think coaches do forget that we, we love strength, especially strength coach. We love strength and conditioning more than anyone else. in that No, world. 100%. But, you know, just like you said, you know, they may only play their sport for four years, but they can live for a lifetime, you know? And, and so you get into quality of life and, and you get into just general health. I mean, that, that to me, you want to talk about success is if you can create a lifelong lifter out of your athletes, to me, that's success, you know, because, because at some point, even if they go play at the highest level, let's say they become a professional, they're going to stop playing that at some point, but then do they still have the drive to want to have, you know, you know, high, um, to have a high level of training. You know, that to me, that to me is success. So, absolutely. And along with that, what are some highest priorities that you have with any sports team? So, what's the like highest priority for yourself when you uh, think about programming? When you approach the team, what's the highest priority? Yeah, uh, I think it starts with movement. You know, we're talking about being great movers, and again, going back to my background and and, and how I am right now. I mean, I'm about as about as flexible as a two by four, you know? And, and so that was never, that was never uh, made a priority 
that I latched onto, you know, during my during my uh, my upbringing. And, and so I think, you know, when you look at again, going back to, you know, they're they're playing a sport and, and within their sport, whatever it is, they have to have fluid movement. They have to be pliable. They have to be great movers. And so I think when you talk about what is the emphasis, the highest emphasis, I think it's I think it's quality movement. It's, you know, um, quality movement, you know, I, and then after that, I think it's, you know, I would say sprinting and jumping, but I think the overall emphasis, because you're not always going to be able to sprint, I think is, you know, having a high rate of force output movement, which could be an Olympic lift. It could be a med ball throw. It could be a jump, you know, it could be a lot of things, but I think having that high CNS activation is crucial for nervous system development. And I think those two things, if you, if you have someone who can move well and to get into great positions and, and you have someone then who can operate their CNS at a very high level, you're probably going to have a pretty decent athlete, right? Right. You know, I mean, take into account everything else. If they can bend, if they can, if they can hinge and then they can do that at a very, very high rate of force, they're probably going to be a decent athlete. And so those two things are probably what I try to emphasize the most. You know, we, we try to sprint twice a week and try to jump as often as we can, you know, and, and, and do things that are very, very high neurally, just because, again, going back to sport, I mean, sport is done at a very, very high neural level. And so, and so you've got to be able to, uh, to reproduce that. Yep, absolutely. And going along with these priorities, I mean, how do you even motivate athletes to recognize those priorities? Like I was – talking with the freshmen today, and they have a no-bar progression program going on right now. They're not touching the bar for probably the next three or four months. Yeah. And I had some kids like, oh, I, I want to touch the bar. You know, I, I want to have the back squat. I want that. I mean, how do you motivate athletes to recognize these priorities that you well, put out for I them? Well, I think it starts with, with the education piece, right? Like, like they have to understand that, You've got to crawl before you can walk. You've got to walk before you can jog. You got to jog before you can sprint. You know, they have to understand the big picture, and it's hard. You know, just like I told you, like when I was in high school, like I wasn't going to listen to, you know, things that I didn't agree with. You know, I'm going to go lift bench three times a week and do all that. You know, even though I did have, you know, hey, Bonnie, you probably ought to get more flexible. You probably ought to, you know, etc. But 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 I think you know. You have to educate them on that. And I think even before that, it goes back to building that relationship, you know, you know, and, and that, and that's kind of a, a, a easy phrase to say, especially in this day and age, but it really does go back to, if you have a relationship with somebody and not just athletes, but, but supervisors, employees, coworkers, if if I know that you care about me, I'm going to bend over backwards for you. You know, if I know that you're vested in me as a person, 
then I'm going to go great lengths for you as opposed to somebody that maybe isn't different or somebody that I just don't know. And I think our athletes are the same way. And I think that's the hardest part of our job as a single strength coach at the high school level. We've, I've got four to 500 athletes. And there's one of me. And so how do you create four to 500 meaningful experiences with those athletes so that they understand that you're invested in them, not only in their athletic career, but also in their, in their personal lives. You know, that's the hardest part. And, 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 you know, I'm guilty of it. Like I said, being, being my, uh, my first year, you know, that's been my big focus is to try to create those relationships with our athletes and coaches and the people I work with, because that's where it starts. And so, you know, going back to that progression, you know, well, how do you get them to buy in? Well, you got to figure out what makes them tick first. And then from there, you know, I think it goes back to, to setting them up for success and setting them up for opportunities for success. And that's why I love uh, Tony Holler's Feed the Cats. That's why I love you know, sprint training um, or sprint recording and jump training is because you can give them instant feedback. It might take eight to 12 weeks to see a squat or bench max go up, but from week one to week two, I can tell them, did you jump higher? Did you get faster? And so, you know, that, that's, that I told our kids today, that's the biggest thing I like about, about strength training and performance training is that, is that specifically within the conjugate system, you know, each day did I get better or not, you know, going in, did I get better or not? And I tell them all the time, like, you should come into our program each day and do something you've never done before. Never done before, whether it's a tenth of a second faster, a tenth of an inch higher, one more rep, five more pounds, whatever it is, you should come in every day with the mindset that I'm going to do something I've never done before. And that's the cool thing about training is I know, like Max ever mentioned, did I lift five more pounds or did I didn't? You know, was it five more than last time or was it not? You know, and and and, and that that's what's driven me all these years is is it feels good. Like it feels good when you leave knowing you hit a PR. It feels good when you leave knowing that I I lifted more weight than I ever have. And it doesn't matter whether it's a tricep extension or a or a you know five board or two chain deadlift. It doesn't matter, man. It, it feels good. And, and so I think that's how you get them bought in initially is the relationship piece, but then allowing them to have success and that's going to create buy-in. And then once they, I mean, I mean, you know, that first little ripple you saw in your pec or that first little vein you saw in your bicep, man, you were hooked. You were hooked, right? And, and, and so that's progress. Like you saw success in what you were doing. And so I think at our level, we have to do that in a manner that's safe and progressive. And I think an easy way to do that is with those sprints and with those jumps, you know? And, and so relationships, success to me, that's how you get by, you know? And then, you know, the other piece of that as it comes is, is, uh, <laughs> A buddy of mine, Jake Johnson, used to always say that the power of a T-shirt is not to be trifled with. 
I mean, you start incentivizing things. I mean, that's how it was in high school, right? Like, like we had 200, 200 pounds, 200 pound bench press shirts. I wanted an orange 200 pound bench press shirt. So I benched three times a week until I got one. And then you know what was next? 250. And then you know what was next? 275. And then what was next? 300. And so you can incentivize in, 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 you know, finding what, what, what drives them. And that to me is how you do it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. We, I remember in high school that we had our club shirts. So, you know, exactly. the thousand pound club, the 250, uh, or what, 1250. Yeah. That's the 1250. And then the 1500 club. I remember that. And you had your name on the board on the leer. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. What's well, the name powerlifting, right? You know, like, the big deal is 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 get your elite total, you know, and so that's you know, that's so that was. The I, I really wanted to ask this question for you, and I asked George, and he had a pretty interesting response to it. How do you build mental toughness with athletes? <laughs> oh boy, you're about to open a can of worms here. Yeah, I mean, because we talk about like. On Twitter, I, I know we get our source from Twitter, um, you know, there's this big debate of, well, you don't need to run them to build mental toughness. You don't need to do this. You know, mental toughness can be, you know, owning all your reps. So, um, you know, today that's kind of what I talked to them about. You know, mental toughness-wise, refuse to quit on your reps. We, You know, we're doing six-second eccentrics, a two-second isometric, and a one-second uh, constant. You know, build the mental toughness throughout your entire reps. That's a really, really good question. And, and, and I think the first layer of that is I think mental toughness is task-specific, is task-oriented. And, and I know there's been a lot of talk about how you do one thing is not how you do everything. You know, even though you say how you do one thing is how you do because because it's not. It's, I mean, it's just not. You're not going to eat food at the same intensity that you do a 400 pound back squat. Like that that makes absolutely no sense. Well, okay, okay, great point, great point. You know, I, I can go in and create and execute this awesome training program, but you know what? I don't like to eat is broccoli and greens and salads and all that stuff. You know, and, and so and so you know, I'm going to go and bust my tail in training. But then I'm going to, I'm telling on myself, you know, I mean, I'm, that's no secret. I'm not a small guy. You know, I like to eat, you know, but I'm going to eat what I'm going to eat, you know. And, 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 and so just because I have toughness and discipline in one area doesn't mean I'm going to have it in another area, you know. And so, and so I think we have to understand that, that it's task specific and it doesn't necessarily permeate very well different avenues okay so so then you got to ask well what does it mean to be mentally tough generally and i think it's like you said i think it i think it's doing the little things i think it's being consistent i think that's the first thing you know and i i talked to our athletes about that today like the, the ones that are having success right now are the ones who have been here every day you know, it's hard to program for inconsistency. It, 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 it's hard to program for the athlete that shows up once a week or every other week or has this excuse or that excuse. And, and, and so I think when you talk about mental toughness, I, I think that's where you start is 
is just showing up. It's just showing up. You know, can, can you be dependable? Can we count on you? Because to me, if you have, if you have the right environment, you're going to develop those other qualities you need, like not giving up, like not quitting, like, um, you know, pushing through, you know, the things that, that I think we generally um, talk about when we talk about somebody who's mentally tough. But I've been a part of programs where, where we've done gut runs. I, hell, in college, there was a day that we knew we were going to do 150 upbounds. You know, and it didn't matter how well we ran procedural. Normally, I was the one screwing it up, you know, but but um, but we knew that we were going to just, and, you know, that that didn't make me any tougher. You know, bear crawling until I had holes in my knee pads in middle school, that didn't make me any tougher. You know, I I think it's task oriented and I think it's relationship. I think we can all look back on a time where we've had an employer, we've had a a superior, a coach who we had that relationship with and who we didn't want to disappoint. And so to me, that that's where mental toughness is, you know, is, is, is if you have that, then I am going to go the extra mile. I am going to run through the wall. I am going to give you one more rep or one more yard or one more second or whatever it is. I love you. We'll see you. Thanks for coming by. <laughs> that's okay. That's fine. It'll be okay. So uh, that that to me is where mental toughness starts, you know, because you know I just don't think there's one there's one thing you can do and then say okay we're tough, you know. I think I, I really think it goes back to 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 what you're doing and then and then why you're doing it, you know. And and I guess that's purpose, right? And so yeah, and so and so if you can if you can get your athletes to have your same why, well, then they become mentally tough for you because they're going to go out and do whatever you ask them to do. The ones that aren't mentally tough are the ones that aren't bought in. But I guarantee you they're tough in some other way. You know what I mean? Like how? Uh, they might be mentally tough and staying up till 3 in the morning. Okay. I, I, you see what I'm, I'm picking up what like, you're throwing down. All right. Like, they're going to do things, and I'm not necessarily bad things, but they're going to do different. There's, there are things that, that, that they will push through to achieve a certain goal. Does that make sense? It just may not be the goals that are on your team. And so it doesn't mean that they're not mentally tough. It just means they're not mentally tough for you. And so, and so that's our goal as the coach, right, is to get them all on our bus, is to get them all on our ship, is to get them – to wholesale buy into what you're believing, and then they'll run through a wall. Because, like I said, we've all had that coach. He said, "Hey, when did you go do this?" Man, I don't know if I do that, coach. But because you believe in me, I'm gonna do it. Whether it's I need you to go block that guy. I need you to. Hey, it's five plates on the bar. Time to load up. I think you can do it. You know what I mean? Like, okay, well, coach, I'm gonna do it. I might get buried, but. I'm gonna give it a try because you believe in me. I mean, that 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 to me is toughness. That 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 that's what that means to me.
Right. Absolutely. Now, this is probably my favorite question on here, and you know, everyone is probably wondering this too. I really wanted to know this ever since I started following you. I wanted to know this. What is the Freak Factory? What is it? Oh gosh, here we go. Uh, oh well, let's start with how to come up with it. All right, it, 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 it's really pretty simple. I developed a relationship in the early uh, 2010s with the Baylor athletic performance staff, and, and Coach Coscazzati was, was was the guy there. And uh, really, that's you know, again going back to background, you know, that's where my career. And I was just out there at TCU uh, two weeks ago. I told him that. And I don't think I'd ever tell, tell him that. I told him that before. But I said, man, my career started 2010 at a Baylor Athletic Performance Clinic. And uh, and I went there with with a, a buddy of mine's dad, Jeremy Weeks. He was in the profession. He's now out of it. But but a, a brilliant a brilliant person, brilliant strength coach. But his dad. Uh, said, hey, Monty, I'm going to – and I'd just come back to Texas. He said, hey, I'm going to Baylor at this clinic. I want you to come with me. Let's go. You know, because at that point, you know, I, I had figured out that I wanted to be a strength, strength coach 30 years old, but I didn't know how I was going to do it, you know. And, and and so that was the genesis of who I am right now, 2010 Baylor Athletic Performance Clinic. That started a relationship with that staff. and. You know, if you go back and look at 2013, 2012, 2014, 2015, they had some dudes. They had some flat-out freaks. Um, Andrew Billings come to mind. He broke he broke Mark Henry's uh, high school powerlifting record, 2,000 pounds. You know, I mean, the guy went on playing the NFL, and, and he, you know, was not a prototypical defensive lineman. I mean, and you can just RG3. I mean, you can go on and on of the people that they had in that program and so when i talk about creating my program like i don't want normal people you know and 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 i didn't know this then you know but louis louis has said many times you know if you hang around average people you get average average results you know that's my biggest fear that's my biggest fear personally and, and that's why that's why i train because that's the one thing that separates me from everybody else right now. I don't know many 42-year-olds. I don't know any because they won't come train with me. But, I, I mean, I don't know any 42-year-olds that are putting 700 pounds on their back, you know, holding four, five, six, seven hundred pounds over their head. Like, that's what makes me different. Like, that, like that's, that's, that's the difference that I can bring. And so when you look at – creating athletes like i wanted to create super i wanted to have freaks man like i don't want you to think that you're average and so that's that's the genesis like 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 that's the start of that is like i want you to be like like the freakiest dude ever or girl ever and then how do you replicate that well factories tend to push out lots of the same thing right and so, and, 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 and it's process driven, right? So there's step one, step two, you know, get the frame, put the engine in, put the doors on. I'm talking about cars, put a windshield in, you know, whatever, whatever. So there's a process. It's, it, it's process driven. Well, that's athletic performance to me is you create a process for this outcome. Well, that's the fruit factory. 
I believe in our process because I've seen it happen for eight years. I mean, we we pumped out some pretty pretty um, special athletes, and I, and and I believe it's it's because of that of that thought process, and I believe it's because of of the process that we put in place, and not me. It's all the coaches that I've ever worked with. I'm just the guy that's at the top of it, but I can't do it. We've got a staff of 15 right now this summer. I can't do this by myself. You know, I've been on a football staff with 17 coaches. It takes all 17 of us. Factories aren't, aren't run by, by one person. And so it's all of those things combined into the freak factor. And it wasn't something I set out. It wasn't something I was like, man, you know, how can we create this, this identity? It was just something that, that happened. It, 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 it happened organically. And I think those are the best ideas. Those are the best, um, I don't know, whatever is when things happen organically and that, and man, it just happened. And we just started tagging everything for Freak Factory, you know, like, and at the last school I was at, it's painted on the wall, it's still painted on the wall. It's really, really cool. It's really, really cool. You know, there's, uh, I know Lee Weber in Kansas uses the hashtag Freak Factory, and he was like, Monty, you cool? Yeah, dude, freaking use it, man. Like, use it. Like, there's only one original, but there can be many others, you know what I mean? You know, but, but, um, and, 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 and they still use it where I came from, you know, and, and that's, and that's cool because that's, you know, now you're starting to leave, you know, that, now, now you're starting to leave kind of your, your, uh, legacy or whatever you want to call it you know, uh, your mark, I guess, you know, and hopefully 20 years from now, I'll walk in there. I think it's still in there. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. I don't know. But, but, um, I don't know. That's, that's just kind of how it, how it kind of came about it. And, and, and it is what it is. You know, I mean, I mean, I wish I could tell you that there's something that, that, um, I guess has a plan to evolve, but it's just gonna, it's gonna, morph into what it morphs into you know it's just something that just kind of is what it is <laughs> yeah it hasn't been on a t-shirt yet that's that's my goal this year to put freak factory on a t-shirt i have never done it That's awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, and, 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 and I think for our athletes, it gives them an identity. You know what I mean? Like, like it gives them something to shoot for that's not sports-specific, right? It's not we want to make, you know, freak football players or freak basketball players or freak soccer players. It's like I want everyone to be free. It's like, I want you to hit the ball, tennis player, the hardest you can. I want you to swim the fastest that you can. I want you to jump the highest that you can, hit the hardest that you can. You know, that's – so the cool thing is that, it, is, is that, it's, that it's not a sports-specific identity. It's a, it's, a, it's a program identity. That's the cool thing about it. It's, you know, so – I don't know. Yeah, man. It just kind of happened and, and, and here we are. So awesome. 
Awesome. How do you implement technology into your strength condition? If you do, how do you <laughs> implement technology into your strength conditioning and how so? Gosh, technology is a blessing and a curse, man. It really is. Like, it's awesome and I love it, but, but it can be the biggest thorn in your side. And uh, we're fortunate here at Azel. I've got a tremendous AD uh, who, who believes in technology, who pushes technology, and who's given me the resources to have technology. And so, you know, starting with uh, our weight room, you know, I, I stepped into a brand new weight room. So when people say, you know, why Azel? Well, I've got a brand new 6,000 square foot weight room with state-of-the-art equipment. Um, I've got four 75-inch TVs. I've got 20. We've got 24 racks. I've got 24 iPads. Um, we use a software called Rack Coach, and uh, I've been using them. Excuse me for uh, six or seven years now. Uh, it's a phenomenal uh, software that allows us uh, to distribute our training to to maximize our our time with our athletes. And it gives us a level of efficiency that I don't think anything else can give. Um, I've got six uh, VBT units right now. I'm probably going to get six more. I've got lasers. I've got jump mats. I mean, we've, you name it, and and, and I've got it. The only, I say no, not only. I really want to get into GPS. I, I I really want to get into GPS. And so that's something that, that, that I'm probably going to dive into next. And then also I'm looking at some force plate stuff next, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, we integrate technology every day. I mean, you know, there, there, there's not a day go by that we don't have an iPad, a jump mat, a laser, um, a VBT device, you know, being implemented in some way, shape or form. And, and, and again, it's a process also. You know, you have to introduce your athletes to it just like you would a play on the field or a play on the court. You know, like you've got this is how you do it. Here's step one. Here's step two. Then you got to practice it, you know, and you got to practice it in, in, until they can't mess it up. And then you got to hope that the internet comes on every day, you know, and then you got to hope that the power comes on every day, you know, because that's the thing, you know, is. is is we get used to this stuff, but then what do you do when it doesn't work or when it malfunctions? And so you better have a backup plan. And, uh, you know, to me, that's why I feel so fortunate to come up the way I came up in coaching because I've been at the middle school level. I was talking with one of our middle school coaches today. Like I've been the guy out there with 70 athletes staring you in the face and you're trying to figure out how do you, how do you train them at once? You know, um, you know, I, I've I, I've been the guy who's had zero technology, and I feel like we've done it at a high level, and and, and with without it, and 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 do you need technology to run a successful program? No, you don't. No, you don't. But it but it can fast track some things for you. Like whenever I took this job, I said I need rack, jump mats, and lasers. But that was straight out the gate. Because I knew I needed rack to run our weight room in the manner I wanted to do it, and going back to getting that buy-in, I knew I needed a way to 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 get that bait in the water. You know what I mean? I may not hook them yet, but at least I've got some bait in the water. Going back to fishing, right? You know, I knew I've got some bait in the water with the lasers, with the jump mats to get that buy-in, to get them 
to latch on to my vision. And um, that to me is kind of how we use technology, you know. Um, like the crazy thing is, is like, they're not going to know anything else. You know what I mean? Like, like, like the kids coming in, like this is the standard. And the crazy thing is, is like, there aren't going to be many weight rooms better than mine once they leave here. And so like, they're going to go to college. But like, man, we had all this, 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 you know, back in the freak factory, we didn't have this here, you know? Um, and so like, and, 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 and so I tell them that to instill, you know, to instill a sense of pride in them. Like, look, like, like, yes, this is becoming more and more, you know, prevalent. Like you're seeing like nice facilities, especially in Texas. But it's not the standard. Like, make no mistake, this is not the standard. Like, what you have has been gifted to you. And to much has been given, much is required. So we're going to take care of it. You know, we're going to put our things back. We're going to clean the floors. You know, um, great book, Legacy by All Blacks. You know, we tell them sweep the sheds. You know, no one takes care of us but us. And so I want them to, to have a sense of pride because – because it's really easy, as you know, to take advantage of things and 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 to not appreciate, you know, what's been given. And 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 I hope, and I think for the most part, they do. Our athletes and coaches understand that that what we have really is special and it really is different and 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 it's not normal, um, and it's not average, you know. So, right, that's awesome. The school that I'm working at right now, I mean. We don't have rat coach, team builder, you know, I'm doing everything in uh, Google Sheets, you know, automating everything. And, you know, we don't have jump plates and stuff like that. But, I mean, yeah, and that's the thing, you know, it doesn't define who you are. It's just another it's just another tool in your toolbox. And, and, and the tools you're developing now with the Google stuff, with with kind of figuring it out without the technology those are going to be feathers in your hat that when you get technology or if you get it, if you want it, I don't, you know, it's, like I said, it's not a requisite. It's not a requisite. It's just, it's kind of like that seasoning. I go, okay, I haven't said a steak analogy yet, but it's kind of like the seasoning on steak, you know, like, like it's just, it's just my kind of seasoning. It doesn't mean it doesn't, you know, there's lots of good steaks out there. You know, that's just kind of what I used to season it with right now. And, and so anyway, but yeah, but those are skills that you're developing that, that will help you, you know, later on down the road. Going off track here, just an extra question. This is not even scripted. This is a bonus question. <laughs> so how do you like your steaks cooked? Medium rare. Medium rare. Okay. 100%. If you cook it any, any, any more done than that, then you got problems. And if you ever come to my house, you'll get a medium rare steak. And that goes, <laughs> back, to my, that, that goes back to my grandfather. You know, I was raised by my grandparents. And so we'd have kids come over all the time, you know, friends come over and they'd be like, Hey, can you cook my steak? I don't know. You'll get your steak how I cook it and you'll like it. You know? And so that's, you know, you ever come out to the house, man, it, it's, it's medium rare all the way. And, and, uh, yeah, you're making me hungry. Same here. Same here. I just ate like two, <laughs> two hours ago. And I'm still hungry. Well, there so. you go. Heck yeah. Um, what are some of your main lifts that have become staples in your program? Ah, main lifts, trap bar deadlifts, trap bar deadlift is huge, you know, and, and, and I'm trying to think of, uh, like, like not traditional lifts, you know what I mean? Cause we all bench squat, you know, pull 
to some extent, but, but trap bar has been, been, been really, really, uh, good to me. Um, believe it or not, if I could press with some type of multi-grip bar, I think that would be a staple or I don't think, I mean, I know it would. And then safety squat bars are probably the next staple that I'm going to look at wholesale uh, using in our facility. You know, everybody talks about the straight bar and everybody uses a straight bar, but why is that? You know, I think it goes back to history. It goes back to, well, that's, that's, the bar and that's the the movements that were chosen in the olympics right clean and jerk you know clean and press back then you know um snatch and so it's just been it's just been what you use and it is probably the most versatile tool right i mean you can do a lot with the barbell but i think when you look at creating the least stressful training environment I think there are better options. You know, I think like the trap bar. To me, the trap bar deadlift, I mean, you just can't screw it up. It's really hard to screw it up. You know what I mean? Um, I think putting the 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 press in a neutral pressing position, I think, does wonders for the shoulders. I think taking the stress off the shoulders and the squat. You know, Lou talked about all the time, you know, big benches don't kill shoulders, it's big squats. And so taking that shoulder out of out of um, external rotation, I think can be huge for our, for our collision sport athletes and also our throwing athletes, you know, like, like, again, their sport is their sport. It's not lifting a particular exercise. You know, we've, we've got to stop as strength coaches hanging our hat on big numbers in particular lifts. You know, we've got to start hanging our hat on athlete wellness and, and, and athlete quality of life, you know. And, and so to do that, though, again, going back to the myopic view that, 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 you know, we all get, you have to look outside the barbell. You know, Donnie talks about think outside the rack, bro. You know, like you have to you have to be willing to accept that. It's okay to not put a bar on your back that's straight and squat with it. It's okay. Hey, our bench numbers are with neutral grip bars. It's okay. Or, hey, our bench numbers are with a fat bar. You know, that's okay. Like, you know, like I'm spoiled at my house. Like, I talk about the awesome weight room we have here. Like, we do, and I love it, and it's been really, really good. But I love my house more because I've got – specialty equipment at my house for me as an older lifter that I don't have here. I've got, I tell people I should have been a rapper. I've got 16 bars, different bars, different bars, different bars, different bars, you know? And, and I mean, I belt squatted yesterday. I've got a belt squat. I've got a hyper. I've got two fat pads. I mean, I mean, I mean, I've got all of these. I'm spoiled. You know, but it's taken 10 years, 12 years to get. And I think it just, because of the diversity in training, I think diversity creates longevity. 
you know, Matt Winning talks about that, you know, and I'm not name dropping, but, but he's someone people are familiar with, you know, but he, he talks about, you know, repetition being a killer with inflammation and, and, and deterioration, things like that. And he's right. You know, overuse injuries, doing the same thing over and over is not good, you know? Um, and so anyway, going back, going back to like things I hang my hat on, you know, I think you could sum it up by non-traditional ways, you know, like, you know, lifting with a trap bar, lifting, you know, squatting with a safety bar, even a bar, I, mean, I love the Mars bar, you know, but it, it's, it's, um, it's not quite cost effective yet to, to buy a bunch of them, but, but maybe we'll see, um, you know, multi-grip bars, fat bars, fat pads, you know, the, to me, like you talk about like creating a different room, like, what if you walked in a room and there wasn't a straight bar in there? How cool would that be? Oh my gosh, you have the straight bars? How do you get stronger? You know? That's an interesting point. <laughs> well, guess what? There are, <laughs> there are many other there are many other ways, you know. Um, I've said this before, you know, be married to principles and not exercises or movements. You know, the principles, the principles, right? The principles are what are going to to drive um, progress, you know, the the progressive overload doesn't say, well, you got to use a straight bar. You know what I mean? You know, but but we get so caught up and our identity is we're, we're, we're back squatters, by God, or we're front squatters, or, you know, I'm an Olympic guy, or I'm a conjugate guy, you know, or, or you know, I'm a hit guy, or, you know, you know, we we want to identify or we want to have this identity, you know, but I think, I think the great strength coaches, you know, to quote Bruce Lee, I never thought I would do this, are the ones who are wanting to be water, you know, be adaptable because year in, year out, you're not going to have the same athlete. Year in, year out, you're not going to have the same needs. You're not going to have the same issues. You're not going to be addressing the same deficiencies. So you got to be adaptable. Joe Ken talks about being a chameleon, you know. You've got to be a chameleon. And at the high school level, at the high school level, I'm responsible for 15, 16 sports. Do you think they should all train a certain way? Some would say, yeah. And I think the principles can be the same, right? The principles can be the same. But do they have to use the same equipment? No. But the issue becomes budgetary, right? You know, the issue becomes, well, I can do a lot with this barbell, or, you know, but luckily, you know, I think I've created a situation where we can do some cool stuff. And so now it's time to do some cool stuff. <laughs> that's awesome. You know, I, that's one thing, like, I try to challenge myself in my programming, and I want to do with a freshman level because, God, freshmen are awkward. They they are. They they are different animals. They really are. And um, that's kind of how I came up with that no barbell progression. It's like, can I, can I make a program and make them stronger, bigger, faster, and all this stuff without even them touching the barbell? And to some people, that's like foreign language. And that's like, how well, how would you even, you know, why would you even do that? But, yeah, that that's kind of the same, you know, uh, thought process there. Um, yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about speed agility training. What's your approach to speed agility training? 
I just told you that I'm not going to talk about speed and agility. That's <laughs> not, no, I'm just teasing. Um, so, I, with regards to speed first, I really like Tony Holler's speed to catch stuff. You know, um, we're, we're going to sprint. We're going to try to sprint and, and measure it twice a week. Um, I also like Charlie Francis's short to long approach, which, which if you're familiar with Charlie, you know, it's really simple that you got to run 10 yards fast before you can run 15 yards fast, et cetera. And I, and I think, I think introducing that yardage that way does wonders for, for hamstring issues, you know, knock on wood. We, I think we've had one hamstring and I think I can count on one hand, the number I've had in the past five years. And I think a lot of that has to do with how we introduce high speed sprinting. But then the fact that we are consistent with our high, high speed sprinting year round, that has been a great, um, inoculator for those hamstring issues and, and so i mean we can talk about mechanics but i think really it comes down to gradually increase the distance and intensity and then do it often you know because again at the high school level our athletes just they need to do it like like they need to be competent. Again, going back to that that competent that that competent component of training, like they just they just need to get better at it by doing it. Does that make sense? And 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 that's a very simplistic and maybe too simplistic way to put it. But but when my swimmers say, "Coach, why are we sprinting?" Well, because you're learning coordination. Because you're 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 learning to function at a high level neurologically. Like those two components carry over to just about any sport you can think of, right? And so to me, to get better at sprinting, you gotta sprint. And you can do all the A skips and A runs and, and B skips and 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 we do all that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, we, we do the Franz Bosch mechanics. We do the PVC stuff. We do the Cam Joss med ball run. You know, I mean, we do a lot of the different things that everybody else does, you know. But I, but I, but I think we get better at sprinting because we sprint. And we're going back to consistency. We sprint consistently. And so, you know, timing often – um really has been really really good for us and then that short to long approach has been really really good from a speed standpoint you know i think when you go into the agility realm i think there's a difference in change of direction and agility and again this isn't this isn't my wheelhouse but but i'm going to tell you what i think and somebody can come on and say well, that's not this and okay that's fine you can be right um again Somebody, you know, I reserve the right to be wrong about some things, but this is how we do it, you know. I think you start with change of direction, you know, learning how to stop and start, learning how to decelerate and accelerate, you know, because if all you do is is live in acceleration, you know, it's like a, it's like a car with no brakes, right? You know, it's like you're driving on ice. Like, you can go really fast, but what the hell you do when you stop? <laughs> you know, so, so, so we start with, with, with those, 
you know, what they call them, closed chain cone drills, you know, go to the line, stop, you know, look at your angles, start again. But, but I think, especially as you get closer to your competitive season, whatever that is, football, basketball, soccer, whatever, there needs to be an organic component. And so that to me is where agility comes in because now you're reacting to a, to a unscripted stimulus. And, and, and that's where, and that's, that's where I love, um, and I'm not very good at it and I steal everything from Twitter. That's, you know, um, but the small sided games, the, the tags, the two on ones, the, um, just the reactive type activities, I think are crucial the closer you get to competition because, you know, I mean, I mean, it, it's July. I mean, let's talk about football. You know I mean? Football's coming up. Football's not going to a cone and cut right, going to a cone and cut left. It's can you mirror a guy? Can you start and stop? Can you cut? Can you jump? And, and so I think the great ones in this, in that arena are able to kind of create a mixture of all of those things in that training experience. And so, for example, on our um, quote unquote agility days, you know, we, we might have one closed chain where, where it's a, you know, a, a, a traditional movement, but then we're also going to have one to two games where they have to you know react organically because, because that's what they're going to be doing. And so I think, to me, that's what our program looks like right now. You know, it starts off early in the offseason, you know, with kind of rote, with scripted, you know, starts and stops and go here and cut here. But then as we get closer and closer, <clears throat> you know, football today, you know, we, we, we did a bunch of tag games, you know, because that's what they're about to do. Volleyball, same thing. We did a bunch of reactive things. That's what they're about to do, you know. Um, that to me is how we do it, you know, uh, and I don't know if it's right or wrong, um, but I think we've had success doing it that way. And so when you come to one of our sessions, typically we'll do, you know, um, our speed days or, or our agility days in stations. And, and, and I like the station model because it engages the most amount of coaches. Because typically we'll have our, our sport coaches in our session with us. And it, it, it exposes our athletes to a bunch of different things at once, you know. And and the way you say it may be different than the way I say it, but athlete A might listen to me better, and athlete B might listen to you better. And so it's not just not just hearing the same things from the same guy over and over and over. Again. But uh, no, you know uh, what what I was saying is just I, I was explaining kind of our station model, kind of how we do that. And I feel like it adds a layer of variety. I feel like it adds a layer of diversity to our program. And it allows, to me, better buy-in from our coaches because then they, they can become the expert of, of a particular station. And, like, that becomes theirs. And it's their baby, and they own it. And, and, and a lot of times, like, like today, um, I said, hey, I want you to come up to that game that addresses X, Y, Z. And then I want you to do it. And they're like, well, hey, what about this? I'm like, look, I don't understand it. 
it's yours. You run it and make it your own. And 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 to me, that that that's how you create authenticity. That that's how you create um, ownership is by letting them, like letting your coaches coach. Like you hired them to, to to do a reason. Let them coach. You know, you, you know, give them a little bit of direction, and then you know, let them go out and do it. And and that's the cool thing about um about agility is that you know again I was talking talking to one of our guys today and he was like you know do you like this one better or that one better and I was like it you know it's not better it's just different you know and that's what you want because sport is different lights are about to shut off in my office there we go but um <clears throat> But yeah, so so that's kind of what it looks like, you know. Station models we typically have, like I said, a change of direction where it is linear. You go here, cut here, stop here, start here. But then we get into a lot of game game uh, short sided games, small sided games as we get to um, season, you know. So scripted to unscripted, however you want to say it. Gotcha. All right. Um, the next few questions are more personable. Uh, they're they're not training questions. They're not what you think about speed agility training. You know, it, it's not that. Yeah. It's more personable. So this first question and um, what advice would you give to a young student or athlete that wants to go into strength conditioning or sport performance? Find a mentor and find your niche. You know, uh, find 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 somebody you can latch on to. Find somebody you you can learn a ton from, and then find something that can separate you. You know, um, I've got an intern right now. And that's the first thing I told him was like, you've got to figure out how you're going to be different. You know, for me, it was powerlifting. You know, I, I've, I've been fortunate to lift some weights that people think are kind of cool. And, and uh, that, that was a way to get my foot in the door, you know? And, and, and so, you know, I'm not a speed guy. I'm not a movement guy. I'm not a nutrition guy, you know, but I do think, that I have, you know, so, some something to give in the strength world, you know, and and the cool thing about the internet and about, you know, the other thing is, is is to find your network, you know, find your circle, because the cool thing about it now is is I don't have to be an expert in everything, because if I can call you up and ask you about speed, and I can call Joe up and ask him about mobility, and I can call Sally up and ask her about power development or I can call Susie up and ask her about nutrition, you know, I don't have to be an expert in everything. I just have to know who to call. And so to that new person in our field, I think it's find a mentor. I think it's create a network and then find a niche, you know? Um, yeah. I mean that's that that to me is a big. That's three, pretty simple, you know, right pretty there. straightforward uh, advice, and I've and I've asked that question, you know, to myself and to some other people, and I get that answer of find a mentor, because uh, that that's huge. That's huge. Yeah, yeah, and then, and then you know adding a fourth to that, you know, fourth and a fifth, you know, you know, going back to what you said about Missy and and you know not reaching out, you know. Um, like put yourself out there, like like write articles, do podcasts, um, you know, like like make yourself vulnerable. I, you know, 
everyone's everyone's a villain in somebody else's story. You know, it's for as many people that think I'm good at what I do, there's probably three times as many many that think I suck. You know, um, and that's okay. You know, because I'm not listening to them. I'm listening to 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 to, to you know the ones that think I do a good job. You know, um, you know. So so put yourself out there. You know, and then I think the fifth thing would be like get connected. And and what I mean by that, you know, um, I guess would be like to create a presence, whether that's, you know, again, talking to my intern, he's like, I probably need a Twitter account. I'm like, well, it doesn't hurt. You know, I mean, you know, does it mean that you're a good coach because you have 9,000 followers? No, it doesn't. You know, just like it doesn't mean you're a good coach if you got 9,000 certifications. You know, but but it does give you a body of work. It does give you kind of a, a, a platform that you've been vetted through. And so, you know, I, like I said, I probably should be writing this stuff. This is a really good podcast. I probably should write this stuff down. But, <laughs> but, uh, you're good. But yeah, well, yeah, because I'm going to listen to it back and write all stuff and I take notes. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, you know, you know, you know, get, get, I don't say become relevant, but but start getting your stuff out there. You know, get get connected. Attend clinics. You know, going back to what I said about Baylor twenty ten. Like, if I don't if I don't attend that clinic, am I where I am today? I don't know. Maybe. You know, I'd like to think so. You know, but but uh, that's huge, especially for like someone that wants to go into this field, like. When I was in college and even the last couple of years outside of college, because I graduated in 2019, and then okay. yeah, you're a yeah, pop. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm pretty I'm only 25 years old. You know, I'm sitting there okay. like, you know, seeing you and all the other great coaches like Cody Hughes, Derek Smith, Missy, and I'm like, I don't want to put something out there and get absolutely obliterated on Twitter from you know the higher ups of you know, the best in our profession and, you know. Well, but that's it, how you learn though, right? Right. Like, yeah. like if you say something stupid. They're going to call you out for it. You would hope so. They're going to call you out for it. I had a conversation with a friend the other day. Like, he said, Monty, you tell me when I say stupid stuff. Well, that's what friends are for, you know, and hopefully you do it, you know, from from a loving uh, a loving point of view, right? You know, because it's not necessarily to – to criticize, but it, it, it's to grow from and, you know, but, but mistakes are how we grow. Like I was talking to our staff last week. I said, make new mistakes. Like don't make, don't keep making the same mistakes, make new ones. You know, that, that's how you learn and grow. That's how you learn and grow. So. Right. Absolutely. And kind of tagging along with this, what is the best advice someone gave for you? Mm-hmm. I don't, man, that's, that's so hard. Like, it's so hard. And I'm trying to be, I'm trying not to give you a, a, a cookie cutter answer, you know. Um, I mean, I guess it just comes down to, to, to as simple as, is 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 be who you are. You know, don't, don't try to be somebody you're not, you know. Um, own your identity. 
You know, I've said a couple of different times, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to parade around as a movement guy. I'm not going to parade around as a strength guy. Um, I, I'm a strength guy. You know, that's that, that's kind of my, well, can, can I talk about those things like, like we just did? Yeah, I can. Um, but, but like, I'm always going to be like, I, I said this, I think during COVID, I can't remember, but I'm a walking stereotype. I'm big, bald, and bearded, and I probably got a hoodie on 90% of the time, and that's 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 what that's who we are as strength coaches. Unfortunately, now, you know, people like Missy and and and, and others are, are doing a great job advocating for diversity and and uh, in a, in our profession, and I think it's greatly greatly needed. But I'm sorry, I, I that's who I am. That that's who I am. I was going bald in high school, and I couldn't shave my head quick enough. And now that I'm older, um, I'll probably always have a beard. And you know, I'm big, and I like wearing hoodies. You know, <laughs> and, and 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 so like like be unapologetically who you are. You know, don't. You know, I tell people all the time, like, you don't have to squat a thousand pounds to be a really good strength coach. You know, like, like, don't, if, 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 if that's not your niche, then don't go chase that. Like, don't, you know, you've got some long hair. I said, don't go shaving your head just because you had a podcast, you know, with me and, and, and I make it look good, you know, but, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, no, I'm breaking the, I'm breaking the mold here because I got long hair. I'm not that big. I'm like 5'10 and I'm like, I'm not skinny, but I'm not like I'm not like muscle bound either. Well, so I don't fit that mold like that mold of know, being a strength coach. The one thing, the one thing I don't have that that would probably that would probably complete the uh, the the persona is I don't have any tattoos. Believe it or not, you know um, I haven't uh, I haven't done that yet. I want to. I just haven't found anything that's that's worth putting on my body for the rest of my life yet. And, uh, you know, that's probably the only thing, but, um, I had another thought that I was going to, I was going to tag that with, um, that thing about tattoos, you know, but, Oh, I don't know what to say. Yeah. You know, some, some of the best strength coaches that I know are some of the most unassuming ones, you know, and, and, and so don't, don't chase, don't chase an image that maybe doesn't fit you, you know, own who you are. Like, I think that's the most important. I think, and, and, and that's probably the best advice. I can't tell you who told me that or if anybody, I, I don't know, you know, but that, you know, talking about best advice, that sounds like pretty good advice to me. So. Um, right. Absolutely. That's great advice. Some people are just more natural. Like they want to look at the sports science side of things and, look at the data and the analytics and all that kind of stuff. But there's also guys that like to be in the weight room and be the hype guy, you know, just absolutely go nuts, berserk in the weight room. Then there's some people that just like to lift heavy weights. And that's really just that. You know, it's funny because, you know, some people think of me as a hype guy and, and I used to want to be that guy. And I think I was that guy and I can still be that guy. Like I love energy, you know, and I love bringing the energy. You know, but 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 as I've gotten as I've gotten more um, more involved in this thing, and I'm not say older, but as I've just gotten more experience, you know, 
I think each year I step a little bit further and further out of that, out of that role, you know, um, I think it's kind of like lifting, you know, when I was first getting into lifting, you know, six, seven hundred pound squat, you would hoop and holler and make a big scene, you know, because that's what you did. And, you know, but when I squatted my heaviest weight, it was complete silence. It was complete focus because, you know, one wrong, one wrong adjustment or, or, or one wrong correction uh, could be catastrophic, you know, and, 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 and I think it's like that or I'm learning, I feel like it's like that in our profession. It's like, as an early coach, you just want to get in and, and, and make a bunch of noise. You know what I mean? But then, like, the, the longer you're in it, you really begin to realize the depth of and the responsibility of the role that we have in, in ensuring that we give our athletes the safest, most progressive, um, most productive experience we can, because that's a tremendous responsibility. It's a tremendous responsibility. And so I think, you know, the older I've gotten, the more that weighs on me. And, 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 and I don't know that you can come in and just, and just, you know, be that, be that person. And at the same time, um, control all the other things that need to be controlled to ensure that we're putting our athletes first and so and that's the cool thing about having a staff too you know because you can have a guy and be that guy you know that guy may not have to worry about the things you have to worry about so let that person and be okay with that you know what i mean like be okay with hey i'm in, i'm i'm not in the you know i might not be in the limelight but but now i'm in the twilight you know what i mean or so i'm kind of like off you know i'm not in the shadows but i'm not i'm not center stage you know, you know, let typically it's a younger person, but let that young person get in there and, you know, scream and red face and do all that, you know, um, because I, I, you know, I, I do think, it, I do think there, there's a place for that. And this might sound contradictory, you know, but I tell our athletes too, that, that, you know, like I want the energy to come from you. Your energy is going to hype me up. Right. Like, like I tell them like, I'll rah-rah, but you got to bring it first. Because it's, it's not my job to come in here and, blah, you know, pop on and cheerlead and do all that. You know, your energy is going to energize me. And so, you know, that that's the other that's the other coin to that, too. It's like, yeah, be rah-rah, be hype, but, man, if that's the only way to get your athletes fired up and motivated, then they probably need to look at what you're doing. Because at some point, it's going to go away. You know what I mean? At some point, they're going to be disinterested, or at some point, it's going to stop working. So you got to have you got to have other ways to do that. Absolutely. Um, we got about one, two, three, four, five questions left. I'm so, good. I got, uh, I got plenty of time. We've been doing this thing for a minute. Oh now, yeah. And uh, I got I got plenty of full time. My wife, she's a hospice nurse. She doesn't get back till probably about four or five o'clock. So I can sit here and talk about strength and conditioning. <laughs> all day i can say probably go till tomorrow when Heck, go yeah. like i'm so serious like my wife she was so on board with this she's like cool i don't have to hear this ever again like that that's yeah you I'm just like, up talking to people that's awesome so i like i get to talk to people about this and when i talk to athletes and stuff like that you know they're not interested in that that my wife's not interested my folks are not interested in that <laughs> so i finally get to talk to someone and that's why i loved 
I love the NatCon at the NHSCCA uh, or yeah SSCA. Yeah, that's a mouthful. Because, because, I mean, there was a room full of people that wanted to talk about the same things I wanted to talk about. Yeah, and absolutely. It, it, it was it was awesome. Uh, where do you see yourself in about two to three years, five years, and ten years? I do remember that that question on uh, <clears throat> on there. That's a great question, man. Um, I don't know. Like, I mean, I, 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 I mean, I guess you probably should have a five-year plan or a ten-year plan, but, but I really don't know. Um, I do know in five years, so I'll have one daughter in college, so I'll probably still be working. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, what college? For her, who knows? Uh, who knows where where she wants to go? But um, but she's smart like her mama is. Thank goodness. And so um, I don't know. But man, that that's that that's that's probably the hardest question you've asked. I mean, it really is. And and uh, I don't know that I can answer it. To be one hundred percent honest, you know, um, it's a very insightful question because. Uh, I mean, you got to look, you know, in the future and, you know, when I was 16, 18 years old, somewhere within that time period, my dad told me, you got, you got to have a two year, a five year and a 10 year plan. You got to know what you got, you know, you got to plan ahead. Uh, and I mean, being the 16, 18 year old self, I was like, okay, sure. Whatever. I wrote down what I wanted to do. Right. And, that, and that was be a physical therapist. And then I ended up being a school teacher and being the strength coach. So I mean, yeah, I, I mean, you know, look, looking, looking again, going back to history a little bit, you know, I always knew I wanted to be a coach. Like I always knew. And, and you know, my whole game plan was, you know, like I said, I, I went to college in Kansas and my whole plan was to come back home and coach D-line and powerlifting in my hometown, you know. Um, and that was it, you know. Um, and then, you know, after that, you know, I wanted to be a strength coach. And so at 30, I knew I'd do an internship. So a 32-year-old intern did that. And then after that, you know, was looking for an opportunity. And so, you know, to me, I tell everybody, man, there aren't that many high school strength jobs out there, but there are tons, especially right now, sport coach jobs out there. So go be a sport coach and begin to, 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 to have an influence that way. Because you can get a job, you know, right now as a sport coach, but there aren't many yet um, in that strength realm, you know. Um, <clears throat> as far as, you know, like some goals, you know, I think I'd like to write a book at some point, you know. I think I'd, I'd like to get a Ph.D., not because I want to be a college professor or because I love research or I just – I think people, you know, I think it's cool. And I think people see us strength coach, especially me in, in in the caricature that I am, as maybe being less intelligent than others. When in fact, you know, I've got a master's degree and you know all that, you know. But and I think to be able to say, hey, I've written a book and I've got a PhD, yeah, take that. I also squat a thousand pounds, you know, take that, you know. Um, I think that'd be kind of cool, you know. But I think I might have to get some kids out of the house and 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 uh, you know for that to happen, you know, at some point, but, but um, those are probably two goals that I have on the horizon at some point, whether it's maybe I should put them in 10 years, you know, 
but uh, but yeah, man, I, I, I I'm drawing a blank. So I got you. So I want to touch the subject on what you just said about being the persona of being less intelligent just because of your parents, you know, being a strength coach. Where some of the most intelligent people are strength coaches. One hundred percent. My, my goodness, I, I said the same thing about George, because when I talked to George, I, I told in his blog, in his little article, I said, I dare people to talk to him. I dare you, because that dude, like, push presses 325 for sets of two and, you know, does single leg squats, you know, being um, 400 pounds on his back, like uh, split squats and stuff like that. I'm like, talk to him about sprint mechanics, biomechanics, bioenergetics, speed training, you know, any of that said, I dare you to talk to him because he will make you feel dumb very quickly. And I could, I could say with like a hundred percent confidence, probably all strength coaches are probably the smartest people. Well, I, I, I definitely think that, that, that we have to have a, a level of functioning intelligence that maybe is higher than, than most because of the amount of variables that we have to deal with, you know, like each each day presents new and different issues, you know. And, and I think in a lot of professions, you come in, you do this, you do this, you do this, you go home, and you're done, you know. But with us, man, each day, I mean, each day is completely different. Each period, you know, talking about you know athletics, each sport, you know. Um, again, going back to working with 15, 16 different sports, think about the different personalities and and and, and and, and different people you have to deal with and, 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 and create, I mean, 15, 16 different ways to do the same thing, right? Get athletes better, you know, and 15, 16 different, different um, guidelines you might have to operate within, you know? And, um, and so, yeah, you know, I, I do think, I think strength coaches are very intelligent, but I also think that, there is a perception out there that you don't have to be intelligent to lift weights or that you don't have to have intelligence to get athletes better. And I mean, you know, you said it, I mean, it, it's completely false and we know it's false, but again, I think society as a whole, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they think of us as just the weights guy. Oh, you just lift weights. You just do the, well, really? Well, yeah. Do you know about it? all the things you just said, mechanics, bioenergetics, physiology, you know, nutrition. I mean, uh, you know, all the different components that make up what we do at a high level. Um, I mean, there are PhDs in just that, and we have to kind of know, you know, a little bit about it all. I'm about to say, go through an exercise science program and tell me if you don't think some of the stuff that we learn is challenging and just, I mean, it is very challenging to learn nutrition, sports psychology. Sports psychology has been pretty recent now. You know, how do we adapt and how do we, you know, motivate our athletes, you know? And then we got physiology, anatomy, biomechanics, bioenergetics, program design, exercise well, technique, and, all that. Yeah, and then, and you know, I'll say this, because I've said it before, you know, I didn't go through any of that. I didn't go through an exercise science program. Really? I didn't go through any of that. Really? <laughs> so what did you do? I got a PE what, degree. What did, 
Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> I mean, my, my undergraduate is in, is in physical education. You know, it's, I wanted to be a PE teacher, you know, um, and my master's is in educational leadership. I don't have a master's in exercise science, you know, but what I did was I got myself under the bar. And I learned, again, going back to that network and going back to, 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 to creating a circle, man, I learned from, from some tremendous people. And I put myself out there and learned from tremendous experiences. Division one internship. You know, I've been to West Side twice. I can't tell you the number of certifications I've had and clinics I've gone to and places I've spoken at. You know, I mean... I may not have a scholastic higher level degree, but I 100% have an experiential higher level degree, you know, and, and, and I tell people all the time that, that, that I think one of my best attributes as a strength coach is, is, and you said it earlier is being simple, you know, but being effective and being practical, you know, like, 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 like I, I consider myself a very practical coach. Um, things that can be implemented practically right away, effective, efficient. Like that to me is who I am. Like, like I'm not going to necessarily um, be able to give you all the bioenergy. I mean, I, I know more than I probably want to lead on, but, but that's not my expertise. My expertise is kind of real world practical under the bar, um, real life, applied, you know, we talk about applied performance, you know, with regards to the, to the science and stuff. I feel like I've got applied knowledge, you know what I mean? Because, because it's learned from, from experience, but yeah, man, you know, I, I, when I was in college, I, we didn't have a strength coach. I didn't, I didn't know what a strength coach was. I mean, it's weird because, I remember in 2000 going to KU and they had bands and they had bands on the bar. So this would have been, you know, just after I think Westside, Dick Hartzell came to Westside in the mid nineties um, and introduced bands and accommodating was They'd been using chains for a while, but not the bands. Um, and it was right around that, you know, a little bit later after that. And, and I remember using bands at KU but I didn't know who Louis Simmons was. You know, I, I didn't know about Westside Barbell. Um, Dr. Javort, you know, we all know the uh, um, uh, Javort complex and the different, the different complexes. He, we went to Johnson County and he spoke, or I think he came to us. I think he came to us, you know, but, but, you know, so I had some exposure, but I didn't know, like I had no idea. It wasn't until I got to VMI when I worked with, Everyone who I worked with was a former Division One strength coach. And so I'm like, man, well, okay, this is what I want to do. But I'm 30 years old. I got a wife and a kid, and I'm moving back without a job. So how do you do that, you know? And I just went after it, you know. I mean, I'm I'm I'm, I'm not trying to sensationalize this, but but I just, I man, it's what I wanted. I reached out and I just kept kept going and going, and here we are. Experience trumps all kinds of education and knowledge. Like you could, I've seen guys that had their CSES, the SCCC, and you know every certification got you know masters and bachelors. 
but there's college kids that can coach in circles around these guys. So having that uh, experience part of strength and conditioning and being a strength coach, that's huge. That's that's absolutely yeah, huge. and I mean obviously you know that's that's where I hang my hat. You know I have no desire to even get a master's in exercise science because you know I just don't need it. You know, but I would like to have a PhD. You know, and I don't even know what it would be in. You know, I I don't, I don't care steaks. You know, PhD at cooking steaks. You know, I don't care. Just I just want you know I think it'd be cool. But anyways, uh, what is your biggest and biggest strength and weakness as a coach? Uh, strengths having a four, was it four fifty two reverse grip bench press? I saw it on uh, Twitter. Well, it was four ninety two, but four ninety two. Yeah, that's not uh, you know. Still chasing five hundred. Hopefully, hopefully this year it falls. Hopefully this year it falls officially. I've done it a couple times in the gym, but not officially. I, that, that's that's a goal of mine. But I, but I think. Start with the weakness first, um, and and people don't believe me when I say this, but but I'm not, I don't think I'm a very detail oriented guy. I think I'm a big picture guy, and I think it goes back to the practicality that that, that I feel like I I bring. Um, but I like to check big boxes, you know what I mean, and 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 so, um, I strive to be better at that, you know. I strive to 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 dot the T's, cross the T's and dot the I's, you know, but but I feel like that's an area that um that I'm constantly working to refine is just that that microscope detail, you know, and and not just in training but in life too, you know. Um, I'm not the best with money. That's why I married my wife. Um, my wife's a project manager. She's in charge of millions and millions of dollars. And, uh, so she handles all our finances, you know? Um, so that's an area too that, uh, that I'm not very good at, you know, and, and, and going to strengths, you know, I think I'm very relatable. Um, I do think I'm a pretty decent motivator. Um, I think I'm a pretty good problem solver. You know, I, I don't necessarily think I'm a very quick thinker. Like I, I'm not very witty. I'm not very, you know, like if we get in an argument, I'm not going to win. Two hours later, I might come up with the winning comeback, but it's two hours later. And so, you know, what do you do? You know, um, some would say I'm probably too emotional, almost to a fault. You know, um, I don't know if impulsive is the right word, but I see that as a strength because that's, that's what drives me, you know, that that's, that's the passion side. Um, and I think you have to have passion to do what we do. Um, because there's going to be a lot of lonely days. There's going to be a lot of, of late nights. There's going to be a lot of, being on an island and so uh you gotta have something to keep that flame going you know what i mean and so uh and so and so i think that's a strength um 
I don't know, man. I think I mean I'm just real. I mean, I I, I think I think my I don't know if it's genuineness or you know whatever, but 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 I am who I am, you know, and and yeah, I think that's a, my, my, not maybe a better word, you know, but what you see is what you get. I, I'm not very good at hiding my feelings. I'm not very good at at uh, putting on a front or whatever, you know. So I think those are my biggest strengths, you know. And then, like I said, the weaknesses after that. You kind of talked about it when kind of uh, on previous questions, but what are some top five coaches that have influenced uh, you and your strength? I mean, there's career? been some big ones. You know, I, I mean, Louis's got to be in there, you know, just because of of who he is, you know. But 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 but. Frank Wintrick, you know, he's the one that gave me my shot um, as an intern. And then probably high school guys like, you know, and I, and I give him crap more than anybody, but Kyle Keese and Denton Geyer. Um, you know, guys, guys who I talk to, girls who I talk to, you know, you know, Missy's been a great resource. You know, she has. Um, a good friend of mine who actually I replaced, uh, Jake Johnson, you know, is another guy who doesn't get enough credit. He's a head football coach, but but as as a strength coach, as a as a life coach, you know, he, he doesn't get enough, uh, enough, enough, uh, credits. Who is that for? Uh, I don't know, man, that's tough because I mean, there's, there's just so many people who have influenced me. I mean, so, so, so many people, you know, um, you know, lately it's been Donnie, you know, lately it's been, um, you know, Chris Roof and Baylor, you know, um, uh, Coach Cobbs. Uh, he's a TCU now, you know. Um, Dan John, uh, you know, is another guy on the periphery, you know, Wimler, you know, I mean, Jim, you know, I was still waiting on my check, but I was in the first five through one book, you know, um, you know, so there, 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 there's some big names in there, but there's, there's, there's some also some, and, and those high school names are big too, man. I mean, you know, Kyle's won two state championships and they're probably going to, you know, I'm not going to say – I think they're going to do really well this year. You know, Jake has taken a, a a doormat and made him a playoff contender, you know. Um, you know, yeah, so I think that, that that's a few. There's, there's, there's a lot more that, uh, that I can name that, that, that aren't coming to me, but I could go through my phone and, oh, yeah, really, you know what I mean? But, but those are just the ones, you know uh, – that come to mind off the top of my head that 
that aren't the typical, you know, the Joe, you know, because I mean, I mean, these are people I've met and talked to, you know, this, this isn't, you know, that, that that's the cool thing, you know, again, going back to what you said earlier, you know, like go meet your mentors or like go meet the people who you want to learn from, you know, like, anyways, so yeah, that, that's probably, that's probably good. Uh, talk about social media here for just a moment. Who is a coach that you think everyone should be following, whether that's Twitter, Instagram, whatever? I don't do a ton on Instagram other than post my my videos. And it's really more for like, so I can keep track of it, you know, <laughs> as a training log. Right. You know? Um, right. I got you. I don't know uh, Instagram. But uh, but Twitter, I mean, I can't believe Kyle didn't have more followers. To be honest, I mean, Kyle, you know, he's he's a he, he's a proven guy who's who's done it at a really really high level, you know. Um, but he didn't, and Jake, and Jake too. I mean, you know, unfortunately, I think content, and what I mean by content is like just content not good bad but just stuff out there i think drives a lot of followers you know and and you know i'm on kyle all the time to post more stuff but he don't want to do it and jake's not a social media guy he he is from a professional standpoint but but um but uh but you know that's just not his personality you know me like i said i'm i'm an open book i mean i'll tell you what i have for breakfast i'll post about it i'll say oh you know i'm doing i'm 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 that, I'm that person. And I don't know if that's good or bad or not, you know, but, but, um, but I like bringing people along with me, you know, and, and, and letting them see, you know, because, because again, I think you can learn so much from each other, you know, um, I think that's how we learn. I think that's how we learn, you know, is, is, uh, is, is through experience and, you know, hopefully, you know, you know, hopefully my experiences, you know, can help somebody else, you know, um, just like other experiences have helped me, you know. So um, that's why I try to be an open book, you know, um, because I think that's how we learn, you know. But I think those two, and I'm sure there's others, man. I, You know, if you would have told me earlier, I probably could have wrote 15 down, you know. But, um, but, uh, but those are two off the top of my head, you know, that, that, that's uh that do a really really good job and, and that are that are really quality people too what changes do you think needs to be made into strength conditioning or what changes would you like to see in the field of strength conditioning i mean i think we're one of the few professions that openly criticize each other unapologetically and you know I would like to not see so much of that. Am I guilty of it? I probably am at some point, you know, um, if not publicly, definitely privately, you know, but, and some of that's, you know, in our nature to, 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 to find fault, you know, but, but it's kind of like powerlifting, you know, at some point we have to unify, you know, powerlifting is, is, 
is never going to be the sport it could be because it's so fractured. And I think as professionals, we're never going to reach the level of accountability or, or, or recognition that we need to have if we don't unify. You know, um, and I don't even know what that looks like. I think the NHSSCA is trying. But I still think there's a long way to go because we are at such different places nationally, scholastically, as a profession. And what I mean by that, like, for example, I was listening to a podcast this morning coming into work. The coaches are up in New York. They do all their stuff after school. Well, we don't we don't do that here in Texas. We have athletic periods. You know, we're fortunate that we have you know um, a full time presence during the day. You know, so I think you know, like like we're not. And believe it or not, up until this point, I taught special ed for ten years. You know, I was a special ed teacher, coach. And then did the strength conditioning, you know, in addition to all that. You know, most people don't know that. Some people do, you know, but most people don't know that. But yeah, I mean, I was football track, special ed, and, oh, you know, strength coach on top of that, you know, trying to program for as many sports as I can, you know. And, and you know, that's not the same, you know. And in some places, you don't have to even be employed to be a coach. And so there's not even a unification of, of – job titles and what it looks like and and I think until that happens it's going to be really hard to advance probably the way it needs to you know like I mean we should have a seat at the table in and at the administrative level I mean think about it I mean I mean, kids' lives are literally in our hands with what we do. Every day. Every day. I mean, we work in the most dangerous room on campus. Period. And 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 I think sometimes that's trivialized. I, I think it's trivialized as we're just working out or we're just lifting weights. You know, but, and I've also said this, like, it's going to take a catastrophe. It's going to take something catastrophic, unfortunately, for people to see that there is tremendous value in, in, in what we do and how we do it, and the ones that do it well. And so things that I think that need to change is, is I think we have to unify as a profession before we can begin to advance professionally. And until that happens, I think that we're gonna continue to have the issues that we're having. And and you know, we have we have to stop trying to one up each other. We have to stop 
trying to pull each other down by look at me, this is better. I mean, promote yourself, promote your program, promote your kids, but do it in a manner that promotes them and not tries to degrade or, or, or sensationalize or, or, or elevate, you know, um, not in the right, you know, um, means, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you said it best. I mean, I see it on Twitter. I see it on social media. Like someone posts something about, um, it could be anything training-wise. They say, well, why are you doing this? This should be better. And you're dumb. And this person's dumb. And your kids are dumb for listening to, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. And well, it's and, just. And, 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 and I think a lot of it goes back to we feel inadequate or we feel less or we don't feel appreciated in our current roles. And so, and so we're going to get that affection. We're going to get that, that, um, that boost by constantly trying to prove ourselves by constantly trying to to elevate ourselves in a public platform because we're not we're not getting it um elsewhere i think that's a big part of it man i really do and and until we have that that level of assurance in our job i i, I think we're going to be chasing that that reassurance elsewhere Well, then we all have at some point, you know, I mean, I mean, I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, um, I think it's real, you know, I, I, I mean, we all want to be validated, you know, we all want to be appreciated. We all want to be um, valued for the, for the job that we bring in. And, and like I said, I think a lot of it is trivialized because it's viewed as PE or it's viewed as just weights or, or the weights guy or, or you know just lifting or just this or just that well really like like is it just running like is it just lifting you know i had a conversation you know about titles i i think it starts with the title because because what your title is to me how you act like are you going to go to a medical professional or are you going to go to the band-aid guy you know what I mean? Like it starts with the title. Like, like, are you gonna go to a a specialist, or are you gonna go to Joe around the block who who does it? You know, are you gonna go to a hairstylist? You know, a hair professional, or are you gonna go to you know this guy who cuts hair? You know what I mean? And 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 I think the title a lot of times drives the, 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 the product that, that's being put out. And I think it starts there. Like, like, and, and, and I don't know if we have to, to, to demand that, you know what I mean? Like call me this, this, or this. Cause, cause you know, but I do think at some point there has to be some acknowledgement of, of relevance. Right. And you talked about a while ago, just being called the waste guy. And I mean, 
the kids, administrators, teachers, coworkers, whatever, they got to see you as a professional before I think change happens. Yeah, well, yeah, and 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 and, and I'm not. You know, somebody's going to hear this and think I'm talking about somebody, and, I, and, and I'm, I'm not. I'm not, but but I mean, I mean, we have to we have to be recognized professionally, like you know, because some people are humble. Like some people are very humble. Like it's okay, I don't need that title. It's not about you needing the title. It's not about you being humble. It's about the profession being acknowledged as equals with other professionals. I mean, Jerry, Jerry Schmidt at OU just became the first million-dollar strength coach. His title is not the weights guy. His title is not the workout guy. I don't know what his title is, but I know it's not that. You know, and, and 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 so I think as a whole we have to be acknowledged as equals. As the strength coach is the same as the math teacher is the same as the assistant principal is the same as you know whoever like we're on the same if not higher level playing field. I just get to wear a t-shirt and shorts every day. You know what I mean? Like, like, you know what I mean? So, I mean that. Yeah, I don't know that. That that's that's a topic that that's been interesting. Um, we've had some discussions about it, you know, and uh, and and like I said, I'm not I'm not calling anybody out. That's not what this is about. That's just a common term that that gets thrown around a lot. Well, he's just a strength guy, or he's just a weights guy, or he's just you know. He's in charge of our work at her. She's in charge of our work at her. You know, she's she's that person. And and uh, I mean, it's so much more. We know it's so much more. But but I think, you know, we can't be OK with 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 trivializing what our job is. Well, Monty, that's all for this podcast here. But uh, I want to thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for even one to come on here i was so shocked like when i put that post out and i saw that you comment i was so shocked man i'm, I'm just like everybody else I'm, I'm not i'm nobody special i'm nobody uh uh you know if you know i i'm i'm still amazed every time people want to hear what i have to say so um i'm going to do this as often as as people want to hear me so thank you for the opportunity for the platform to be able to share i felt like this was a these questions were, were were different than the ones that maybe I've done in the past, and and I felt like it was really really good. So um, thank you for that. Appreciate you, Monty. Uh, to wrap up this podcast here, in the name of strength, stay strong and have a day today. See y'all next time. Appreciate you, Monty. All right, thank you, thank you so much. <laughs>